over into this section. I think this is the best section for the wind. And uh, but no, I'm so thankful that you're here, and uh, I trust that God will uh, work in our children's lives uh, with our Vacation Bible School, as well as uh, in our lives here uh, this morning as we look into the Word. We'll take your Bibles, please. Turn to Genesis chapter number five. Genesis chapter number five. And uh, this morning we're going to look at Enoch. And uh, I told Adriana, who is our uh, our teacher today with our kids, I said, Enoch's life was extremely short. And I said, you know what that means, right? And she looked at me and she thought, does that mean I'm going to die soon? I said, no, 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 no. It just means pastor's message is going to be extremely short. And everybody said? Amen. And that was weak. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. It's going to be short. It's probably the shortest message I've ever preached on a Sunday morning. And... Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing, bad thing. I don't know if you're excited about that, but uh, I trust that uh, the Lord will work. We're going to look at Enoch's life, and the application for us will be a walk to walk a life unnoticed. For you and I to walk a life that is willing to be unnoticed. And uh, before we before we get into the scripture, I'd like the Lord to uh, to bless this time. And so let's ask Him to do that. Father, we thank you, God, for uh, this day that you've given to us, and uh, Lord, we. Uh, we submit the weather to you, and uh, Lord, we uh, submit just the, just maybe the loudness of that fan. And uh, Father, I pray that Lord, you'd help us all to dial in, and uh, Lord, learn what you have for us. I believe that God, this message this morning, and the very little bit that we know about Enoch, can be a tremendous encouragement to us. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd empower me to speak as unto what you would want me to say. And uh, Lord, we'll give you all the honor. And all the glory, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter number 5, and uh, the word of the Lord says in verse number 18, And Jared lived an hundred sixty and two years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch eight hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were nine hundred sixty and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived sixty and five years. And begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And this morning, if you're wondering if I'm going to try to answer why God took him, I have no clue. And uh, really, the Bible does not uh, allude to uh, why God took him and he didn't have to die. Very similar to Elijah being taken up in a, a chariot of fire. But to be honest with you, we don't know much about the man Enoch. The Bible does not divulge any details of his life, any amazing feats, uh, any battles won, or journeys taken by faith like it does the other biblical characters that you find in the Bible. All we know is that he was the seventh generation between Adam and Noah, and his father was Jared, and that his son was the famous, long-living, longest to ever live the earth, Methuselah, which his name means in so many words, after this, the judgment. And so even that meaning the, the, the flood would come uh, in Noah's day. And so you see the amazing grace of God 
that in his name there's going to be judgment that comes. But Methuselah was the longest living human being ever. And so we see the grace of God with that. But really, that's all we know about Enoch for the most part. Despite his unremarkable life in terms of historical prominence and biblical detail, Enoch is the second character that's mentioned in what often Christians have called Hebrews 11 the hall of faith or the chapter of faith. He's the second one that is listed there. We see in Hebrews 11 verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. And so this morning I want to start with the idea of an unnoticed life. What is, what is the reason for Enoch's inclusion among men like Noah and Abraham and Moses? I think if we took a kind of a, just a cursory study here this morning and I were to ask you what is Noah known for, many of you would know. Or I would say, what is Abel known for? Or Moses, there is a large portion of Scripture that is, that is dictated to Moses as well as Abraham, many, many chapters as well as Noah. Uh, yet Enoch just has a few verses, but he finds his way in Hebrews chapter 11, and, is, and it is mentioned there. And so what is the reason for this? Well, I have a theory, and I will say that it is Ryan's theory. But like Enoch, you and I will live lives that are most likely unnoticed. Now, do not get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying that you're not going to have any influence or that people are going to ignore you or me. I simply mean that the majority of Christians will never make their way into any history book. We will only have a small following on maybe Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media outlet you so choose. You, you might get to a couple thousand maybe. And, uh, you know, so we're not going to have the millions of uh, readers on some blog of ours. And when we die, apart from a loyal circle of family and close friends, the, the details of our lives will largely be forgotten by those who knew us. Are you discouraged by that reality? I mean, let's be honest, we, we want to be known, don't we? We want, our, we want our name in lights. We want people to, to, to give us the, uh, the, the accolades that we so think that we deserve. Let's be honest, though. It's also tempting to think that we can't make a difference. We're just one person. We're just one family or we're just one church. And it's easy to think that who we are and what we believe and how we live will never impact others. Some have said that we're just a simple, you know, just a biological blip on this huge universe radar of space and time. Unnoticed. So we think we're unnoticed. But let me say, secondly, we see about Enoch's life that it says he was pleasing to God. And so Enoch's story of faith, he challenges our pessimistic view of meaning and our pessimistic view of purpose. 
here he is again. Let's read it in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. And it says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. How many of you would like to not see death? Anybody? Man, hallelujah. I don't want to see death. Well, Enoch knows what that's like. And how God took him, I, I don't know. I mean, were they just on one lo long walk one day? He walked with God and God just said, you know, this is a joke. You know, hey, it's too far to go back. Let's just go to heaven. Who knows? I have no clue. You don't know? I don't know. But it says that because he had, but before he was translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, if you were to jump down to verse 6 on there, it's impossible to please God if you and I do not have faith. And so Enoch was a man of faith. Who's that faith? That faith is, is, the, is the substance of things hoped for. It's, it's a faith in God. It's a, it's a faith in Jesus Christ. And even though we know nothing really about this man, his brief mention in Hebrews 11, hear me, confronts us with the reality that God notices and that God cares. Because the only way that God could have been pleased by Enoch's life was if he had noticed it. And you and I, the only reason why God would have taken notice of his life is because that he cared. You might be seated there this morning and you might think, you know, Ryan, I'm a, I'm a nobody. I don't... I don't really influence many people. I'm, I'm not like you, Ryan, where, you know, on a given week you can influence dozens and dozens and dozens of people. I, you know, I, I, just, I just go home after church and I'm by myself all week and, you know, I come back and, there's, and there's, no, there's no meaning. But listen, this means that Enoch's life, however insignificant in human terms, was far from being meaningless. How could there be a life more meaningful than one that is noticed by and commended by the Lord of heaven and earth? And you and I, we can't wait until we get to heaven one day and we hear those words from our Savior. Well done, what? Thou good and faithful servant. Here's what I want to encourage you with here this morning. Is that God sees is that God cares. God, God notices your life. You mean something to God. You're not just going through the motions. It's not just another day. You see, Enoch's story is a story of faith that tells us that the ultimate meaning and the ultimate purpose, it's not found in horizontal fashion. Meaning is not found in political power, or cultural influence, or historical prominence, or, uh, or wealthy, beyond, you know, power through wealth. It's not how you get meaning. People that have all of the power politically and, 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 and historically with prominence, and they have accumulated massive amounts of wealth, you'll find that many of them, not all of them, but many of them, they are plagued with the feelings of meaninglessness. Because it's not found in a horizontal pursuit. 
So often we want meaning this way. So often we want to be viewed by men and women of the world as a man or a woman of, of stature or of, of grandeur. Guess what? God took notice of a man that we really know nothing about. And God says, he had faith and he pleased me. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you have faith in God? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? The only place to find contentment producing or peace inducing meaning and purpose is a vertical relationship with God. I'm going to say that again. I, I meant to put it up on the screen, but, but it's not there. The only place to find contentment, the only place to find peace-inducing meaning and purpose in life is to have a vertical relationship with God. You want to find great value? Find your value in Christ. Find your value in God. Learn how, how accepted you are in the beloved. Learn how much God loves you and how he's literally going to move heaven and earth to try to redeem you in his son. You want value? Look up. Look to God. Because if you're seeking it on a horizontal fashion, listen, there's nothing about Enoch that was of any interest Apart from the fact that God cares. Apart from the fact that, 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 that God moved upon him. And so Enoch's story teaches us that in God's eyes, none of his children are little. None of his children are unnoticed. Hear me, church family. There's not a single person that's in this room. There's not a single person that is a part of our church that is not of great value. Now let me say this, if you are looking to me to validate you, you're going to be miserable. I had a lady come up to me earlier this morning and last week the Holy Spirit of God just put it on my heart. I went and I just sat down next to somebody in our church and we just talked. It was, it was awesome. It was such a blessing. Just to, you know, we were just talking about talking about life, and this particular person came to me this morning and said how much that meant to them. And you and I, what did I say last week? You and I, we've got to be willing to, to live our lives for other people. But hear me, you and I, we cannot find our sufficiency, our happiness, our joy in what other people do for us. Because guess what? We're going to get to it here in a moment. All of us, we're still sinners. All of us are still radically selfish. <laughs> You're looking at one right here. And what happens is, is if we don't, we don't do what somebody else thinks that we ought to do. Listen, listen, you and I, we've got to find our worth. We've got to find our value. We've got to find, if you allow me to use this word, the grandeur from God and God alone. Because guess what? He'll always tell you how special you are to him. He'll always give you the encouragement that you need. You're never little and you're never unnoticed. But there's something else that needs to be said about the meaningfulness of Enoch's life. Because not only is he found in Genesis 5, and not only is he found in the uh, what man has called the kind of hall of faith there, Hebrews 11, but we also have a quote that came from his mouth. 
And he's a little-known guy. We don't know much. But there's actually a quote from him in Scripture. And we find it in Jude. And it's found in verse number 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam. What, what, what Enoch's about to do, he's about to give a prophecy of God's judgment against evil. And he said, he prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And so if you were to kind of look at the context there uh, in Jude, it's talking about the end time when, when, when God's going to come back and he's going to judge. Well, um, Enoch shares some of this judgment. And this quote from a man we know so little about historically tells us everything we need to know about his heart morally. Because Enoch cared deeply about right and wrong. This prophecy, it doesn't communicate the words of an angry, vindictive man. Not at all. But it reveals the heart of a man whose heart breaks as he considers the holiness of God and the evil of mankind. And so there's a lesson to be learned from the few words that we have recorded that ever came out of this little man unknown really in history's mouth. And here's what we learn from that. First of all, vertical faith produces moral consciousness. Hear me. Vertical faith produces moral consciousness. Okay? This will make a little bit more sense here in a moment. Second statement. Moral consciousness produces eyes that see wrong and a heart that cares about it. So as you and I have a vertical faith, as you and I have a vertical relationship with God, and as we learn about God, and as we get into His Word, we learn about His holiness. We learn about His character. And what happens is, is that will produce a moralness in our life. And as you and I begin to become conscious about morality, what is right and what is wrong, then you and I, we look out with eyes that see what is wrong, and we don't just say, eh, it's no big deal. No, 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 no. It begins to touch your heart. You begin to care. You begin to weep that our country kills millions upon millions upon millions of babies. Your, your, your heart begins to, 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 to ache and to cry for those that are being misused. Those that are getting caught into lascivious lifestyles of, of trafficking and things like that. Your heart begins to break. As you get close with God, as you walk with God, Enoch, he speaks here and he says, God, this judgment's coming. But it wasn't some angry, vindictive man. Instead, it was a heart that was in tune with their creator. Breaks your heart. You see all these orphans all over. 
breaks your heart. People get their heads chopped off because they say that they love Jesus. I wonder what I would say. I know the fan is loud. Can you hear me? I wonder what I would say. There was a machete before me and they said, do you love Jesus? Oh, they don't look exactly like us. Oh, they might not talk exactly like us. Oh, their worship service might be a little bit different. Listen, they named the name of Jesus and we're going to spend all of eternity in heaven with them. Our hearts ought to break. And let me give you another lesson here from the life of Enoch. When your life is shaped by moral consciousness, you leave a legacy of good whoever you are, wherever you live, and whatever you do. You're not small. I don't know anything about Enoch. There's like seven verses in the Bible, and then there's like a million commentaries that are like hundreds of pages. I'm like, seriously? Pastor, what does it mean that he, that he walked with God? The way you and I walk with God. Let me say thirdly here, the little people everywhere. Most of the impact for what is right, for what is good and what is true in the human community is not made by the handful of people that the history books, history books will record, but rather by countless masses of unknown characters who do what is right, who speak what is right, who influence others to care, to care for what is right. Matthew 4, verse 5 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And to give a light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, that they may see your life, that they may hear what you're speaking that is right. Your moral conscience is literally beginning to change the way you live. They see how you live. And they glorify your Father, which is in heaven. See, God advances His, his righteous cause by hundreds of thousands of little people. By hundreds of thousands of little lights that are just like Enoch who are committed to write whether God, wherever God has placed them. You're not little. You're not too small. This man Enoch that we know very little about, you say, why do you think that, 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 that God started with Abel? And why do you think that God also started with Enoch in this chapter of, uh, of, of these people? I believe this is, again, Ryan's, Ryan's opinion. I don't know why God did it, but Ryan's opinion would be so that you and I could realize that we might never be a Noah. We might never be an Abraham. We might never be a Moses that, that, that leads people through a Red Sea. You and I, we might not be people that humanly look like that. But you can be an Enoch that walks with God, that has, a, that, that, that has a relationship with God, that has a vertical faith that begins to change your everyday mundane of your life, wherever God's placed you. And so finally, let me say this as I close. 
It needs to be said that above all, whether it's Enoch's story or Abel's, they're all stories of grace. And the reason why I can say that is because Enoch was a sinner just like the rest of us. And you know what sinners tend to do? Sinners tend to care more about their own desires. Sinners tend to care about their own feelings and their needs than they do about what God says is right. It's hard to leave a legacy of good, I'll be honest with you, when you're consumed with yourself. And so, but what happens is, is God and His grace enters in their door and radically realigns our hearts. And we begin to care about what God says is right. And you do want to live a life that would be pleasing unto Him. In other words, that which He has laid out for us. You'll begin to mourn not only your own sin, but the evil that is around you. And your mourning will begin to turn into action. But when we forget about our self, and our desires to live for Christ will stop being consumed with what others think of us and what others declare is value. Men and women, you have great value to God. And that value is found in our hero, who is Jesus. It's where your value comes from. That's why I can look, oh, I love, I love our congregation. This is, a, this is a summer congregation, not because it's hot, but definitely because it's hot. But even in our summer congregation, when people are away, you look across this room, you know what you find? You find so many different languages. You find different colored skin, different countries of where people are from. You know what? That is awesome. You know what I love looking at? I love looking into the eyes of someone that doesn't look like me. Number one, that's a good thing. Too many of me is a really bad thing. But to look in the eyes of someone that doesn't look like me and with my respect and my love for them, show them that they are equally as value. Why? Because I'm better? <laughs> no. Because of Jesus. He's the game changer. And so when we don't worry about what others declare as value, and in the, what happens is, is in the midst of, of what seems mundane or lives that seem meaningless, the influence of our words, our attitudes, our actions, you'll find that they actually do make a difference. Are you living intentionally, meaning, mindful that every moment is a gift and an opportunity to know and to love and to serve your king and to serve your God? Are you always ready to give an answer of the hope that lieth within you? Sometimes, and I'm, I'm mean as a rattlesnake in my mood. Someone better not ask me about the hope that lieth within me. God needs to bring me back to the reality. You know, he wants to use your moments. He wants to use your time your language. Do you count it a privilege to encourage and equip, equip others to live for the glory of God? See, the gospel at work in us is one of God's means of drawing others to himself. As we do all things for the glory of God, we discover 
that it is what we were created for, the glory of God. And when our lives point to Christ through our words and our deeds, we too can be like Enoch, knowing very little, but can be an example, a human example that is pointing people to Christ. See, grace, it captures lost and aimless people, little people, and infuses their lives with moral meaning and purpose. And for these people, moral consciousness, it's not a burden. It's, say, no, it's, it, it's not a burden. Your heart aches for what's wrong in the world. And so you, as one individual, you begin to say, God, how can you use me? I might not be, quote unquote, like a Noah. I might not be like a Moses. All of them, it's the grace in their life. It's God, it's Christ in the New Testament that changes. And you actually can become a man or a woman that changes the world in which they're in. This was Enoch's story. And by grace, it can be yours as well. You have value. You have great meaning. You and I, we've just got to realize that it is not us that that is found in, but rather that it is found in Christ. And so as we say our final amen here in a moment, I'd encourage you to walk out of this auditorium. It's probably be a little hotter out there. I don't know. But I want you to realize that in, in Christ, we're all on equal plane. I love how we all look different. It's one of the things that I love about Redwood. So you and I, let's go out into a world with a moral consciousness as we are connected to a holy and awesome God and allow that to live through your life and it will be grace as you do it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God.